The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. If there's something I need, I don't already have. I know I'll get it from a good friend. If there's something I need. Hi, everybody. It's Jamie Lee Curtis. You're listening to the Good Friend podcast presented to you by iHeartRadio. It's a podcast about friendship, sort of the good, the bad and the ugly, the triumphs of friendship, the immense connection and emotion of friendship, the laughter and occasionally the tears. We explore it all in an unscripted, very freeform way with many, many different guests, some I'm very close friends with, some I've never met. And I hope that you will take away from it something that connects you to your friends and that the ideas that we talk about can maybe be taken into your own friendships. So sit back or take a walk or however you listen. I hope you enjoy it and stay tuned. Who knows what we're going to talk about, Robin, right? I don't come with notes. We live in proximity of each other. Let's just say that for privacy mm-hmm. reasons. And we recently met in proximity of each other. I believe dogs were involved and maybe a man. <laughs> and <laughs> and the conversation quickly immediately went to like, so what are we doing this when we're talking? What are we going to talk about? And I, I think I looked at you and said this. <laughs> just like this part of our lives. Um, this part of our lives. Yeah. We we don't know each other really well. I think that's the other thing that was really important to me about the Good Friend podcast is not that 
I'm just calling literally every person I know going like, if I'm a very close friend of theirs going, hi, you have to come to this podcast. I wanted to make sure I've talked to strangers. I spoke to Lena Dunham the other day. We've never met. She claims we met at an awards show where we tipped our head back at each other and kind of went like, oh, I love you. I love you. I love you. Yeah. But beyond that, we've never met. And, you know, we had a really wonderful conversation. Oh, I want to listen. Yeah, I dig her. So we met. We don't know each other well. But when you were very young and were cast in The Princess Bride, um, I had just met and married Christopher Guest who plays the six-fingered man in The Princess Bride. And everyone toddled off to England, to Sheffield. Yes? We were in Sheffield, yep. Yes. And, you know, I was Chris's new wife. I wasn't in the movie. I was an actress, but I wasn't in the movie. I wasn't super famous. And I felt very little and very sort of quiet. We were going to have our daughter that winter. And so I was starting to kind of feel that nesting need of, I remember going and finding a little stuff. My memory, the reason I brought up this whole story is I have a photograph of you on one of those buses that they used to drive everybody to and from, you know, location from the hotel where we were all staying. Nobody had fancy houses. Everybody stayed in these hotels. And I remember, and I have a picture of you on this bus and you had such an openness. And I, my instinct was, I wanted to be your friend. I wanted to talk to you. I wanted, and yet I felt very little because I didn't feel a part of the unit, if you will. You know, I was Chris's wife. I don't think anybody else had their wives with them on location. Like there I was living in a hotel room making soup in a crock pot in my hotel room and the hotel being mad at me. Anyway, I did feel that back then. And that was the only time we really knew each other. It's true. I was 19. And I don't remember your energy being that at all. I remember thinking, wow, what a woman. Like She's so confident and honest and not afraid. I remember seeing that in you. Hmm. And, you know, at that age, you're like, oh, I aspire to be that one day. And then you suggested, because I was a dancer, Mm -hmm. and I remember doing my own Pilates in my hotel room or yoga or whatever. And you said, oh, I do that too. Let's let's do a session. And you came into my hotel room and we worked out. You remember that? It was a little of that hot yoga in LA. I was was quite a devotee. Um, (laughs) By the way, without the sexual assault, um, I just need, let's just... Let's right. just say that now. Um, had there been sexual assault, I would have not been a day. You would have moved over to the to the other yoga studio. <laughs> I would have yeah. been to the other yoga studio. <laughs> yes, I didn't feel so formed. And I guess my first—it's such a wonderful way into the conversation because when you make friendships early on in your lives, as you said, you were nineteen, you were a young actress, you were given this ginormous responsibility of this part. It was a big part in a big movie, and that brings with it its own level of responsibility. And did you, as a young actress, were you able to make good, close friendships with people, or were you... See, I don't know enough about your early life. Where were you raised? In Southern California. Born in Texas, and then 
parents divorced and my mom just threw us in the car and we drove to Canoga Park. How many siblings? My brother and myself. So we were the threesome for quite some time and then she got married, et cetera. But yeah, born and raised in, you know, L.A. County. And were friendships when you were young, were were you able to have those friendships when you were young, make those good bonds? And did they continue on with you or did they sort of stay where you were? They would last for years. So I would have one best girlfriend Mm -hmm. and I would have her through elementary, junior high school. And then we would move again. They were big on, let's buy a house, flip it. So we were new residents, new city, new school all the time. But I always was like that. I always had one really good girlfriend. And then when my sister, who is my half-sister, no blood, her father married my mother. They moved from England, moved into our house, and she became my best friend, still is today. And we met when she was seven and I was nine. Wow, that's fantastic. Tell me more about that relationship you know, often in those types of intermarriages between, you know, people with children marrying other people with children, that does not, that is not the path that occurs. Generally not, right. (laughs) It was a saving grace, I think, for both of us, because I don't think either one of us liked the fact that this marriage occurred. Mm. And I'm sure she and her sister missed England, you know, so they were ripped up from their roots and culturally is completely different beast here. And I certainly didn't like that our threesome, you know, me, my brother, my mom, that was interrupted. And it was interrupted by two sisters coming into that. Yes. And how old was the other sister? Exactly my age. Wow. Yeah. And we didn't, we didn't get along. And Lucinda and I, the younger sister, just bonded from the minute we met. You know, when you have that thing, I have that with Aaron Dignam, who was one of the writers of the screenplay Land. Mm-hmm. And she's um, was a director for quite some time, did a couple of her movies. Anyway, point is, same feeling. The minute I looked across the lawn when I met Aaron, I knew in my cellular wall that I would know this person the rest of my life. Wow. And why we have that with certain people and others not, you know, who knows? It's a higher being, obviously, whatever, whatever you want to call it. It's something out of our capacity to control. <laughs> and you don't want to control it, which is so beautiful. You go, oh, finally, somebody took the lead and told me, this is what this is. This is a soulmate. This is your soulmate. Like you were saying on the street the other day when we ran into you, it's about your best friend. Of course, it's the most important thing to have. That's safety and trust, knowing that that's the truth. You don't feel like you're living a lie, right? There's the pull quote right there. I mean, that's literally the pull quote of the whole thing, safety and truth and not living a lie. I mean, it's it's exactly what, not to say I'm going for, but that's what I'm interested in. I find that fascinating that these two young girls met through these circumstances that were challenging and that you you somehow saw in her and she and you an absolute path towards safety and that it has lasted that's and 
despite you working and then traveling and working and traveling and working and relationships and children and working, oh, that bond has stayed with you. Yeah. And it morphs the bond because of separation due to work, relationships, living in different area codes. But the minute you come back together, it could be three years, three months away from one another. But every time you set foot in the same room, it's as if no time has passed. And there's never been any pressure. Uh, Why don't you come see me? Or why don't you call? Or why don't you? Never. It's just, we live our lives. And then when we come together, it's foundation. It's just solid. We'll be right back with more Good Friend after this quick break. So stick around. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. My mother used to not be able to hide her displeasure um, that maybe... For whatever reason, work, family, children, life, whatever was going on, maybe it was a week since I had called. And I would call my sweet mother and I would call her 
And I'd go, hi, mom. And she'd go, oh, hello. (laughs) And in that, oh, hello, was called in a week. Hmm, You must be so busy with other things that mean so much more to you than me. I guess that's what's happening. So how are you? You know, it was just, it was such a... (laughs) It was so loaded. I know it's loaded, but I think friends do that. Honestly, I think what you just, I mean, I brought up my mother. There are friends that I have that have that intensity. Um, They can't mask it. They can't metabolize the reality of whatever it is that's going on, whatever it is. I don't care what it is. It, 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 you shouldn't have to explain yourself. Mm. The older I get, the less I explain. I used to be the explainer in chief because I would, <laughs> you know, I would try to ameliorate whatever stink was there with, well, but then this and Annie had this and Tom had this and Chris was doing this and the thing and then dog and thing. And at some point, you're just like, oh, my God, cut me some slack. Just stop. Just give me a break. And I love that that's the description, really, of that kind of a friendship that you just described is that you don't get that. Mm. You don't get that from those people. You get, hi, where are you? What's going What's on? What's going on? Yeah. 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 It's a leaning in without the filter of the judgment and the resentment. That happens to people. I think it happens to people all the time, to friendships. Yep. And then it corrodes, and then there's a little rust. And before you know it, it's like that old rusty thing that just doesn't work. Yeah, and you end up not wanting to pour Coca-Cola on the rust. Yeah. (laughs) To (laughs) To fix it. Yes. To clean it, dissolve it, diffuse it. You're uh, repelled. And then coming back, it's funny, we were having this conversation last night, my sister and I, um, if you want to bring yourself back with the rope, what does that require? Well, it requires you putting up that boundary, like you were saying you didn't do with your mother. And we didn't do it when we were in our 30s. I was the same way. I'd explain everything or because I didn't want people to not like me, you know? (laughs) And now it's like, okay, healthy boundary. That's not, I should. That's yours. Mm-hmm. Whatever you need, your neediness, your anxiety over that's turned into resentment, that's your story. That's your thing. That's how to not take that in. And that took me years to learn. It's a technique, right? Yes. And it's always something I have to exercise. Yeah. It's an acquired taste. You know, you have to. <laughs> it, 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 but by the way, that's also the beauty of evolution about women, about minds about the idea of not having a calcified mind, about being able to be open and go, oh my goodness me, this has nothing to do with me. I am being authentic here. And you're putting on it some thing from you that's yours. And the great news is I'm old enough now. And I've, if we're not old, I mean, you're younger than I am, but if not now, if I can't live authentically now, then what am I doing? Yeah, what's the point in the last chapter? Exactly. What is the point? If not now, when? If not me, who? Get it on. Express your creativity. Express your humanity. Express your love of human beings and the world in your art, in your ways of communicating as an artist, as a human being, and then check out and then step away and let somebody else 
do their work. That, without planning it, because I don't take my notes, is a perfect <laughs> transition to land, which is a movie about friendship. Yeah. Um, it's a movie about friendship in a, the deepest way and about loss and letting go and the metabolizing of loss and how loss drives people. It's a beautiful film. It is beautiful to look at. It's beautiful to listen to. It's beautiful to think about. Often movies, and I know it's a kind of hackneyed thing and a kind of a cliche to say, you know, it really made me think. But it, it is. Um, if you strip away the artifice of life, which is what this woman does in the movie, reeling from the loss, which we find out is the loss of her family, her young child and husband. And we don't know the circumstances, and I won't give them away here. But, you know, you know you're in loss, this woman. And she goes to live in a cabin that she buys, mm -hmm. kind of by herself, to just strip away all of the attachment to that other part of her life. She's, you know, uh, doing it. And then there's a new friend who comes into her life, this man. And it's a really moving experience to see these two people start to lean into each other, start to trust both wounded people, both kind of running from something of their own. And you said that it was written. Did you know of this work or was it just sent to you by your friend, Aaron? How did you end up not only starring in it, but directing it? What drew you? How did it? And I'm, by the way, this isn't like a movie interview. I'm not, this is a human interview. I'm, I'm totally. interested oh, yeah. in the part of it. But I know it sounded for a second like, what drew you to the project? Which is a word, honestly, <laughs> you know, if you answer it honestly in, in, in a conversation, it's like money. Like they were going to pay me. Well, not in this case. But <laughs> no, I understand not in this case. But, you know, it's, it's a bad question. Journalists, if you're listening, journalists, that's not a good question. What drew you to the project? But it actually is a great question for this movie. Yes. Because it came to me through uh, Alan Stewart. Mm -hmm. And it was part of the competition. It's called the Nielsen competition. It's a screenwriting where they pick five screenplays out of 5,000. And this was one of them. She loved it. She saw the episodes that I directed of House of Cards. She called me up. I need to come to Baltimore. Maryland, can I meet you? Um, and will you read the script? I want you to direct it. It was so beautifully simple as far as, you know, humanity, like you're saying, when I was reading it. And it was one line of dialogue that grabbed me about how beautiful human beings are and why we stumble upon each other's story, why people come into our life, why do they come out, for what reason. And when she says, why did you help me? And he said, you're in my path. And it's a, it's a duty. It's our humanity's duty almost to go, I'm going to stop in that path and I, I'm supposed to tend to something here. It's the same pull we were just talking about. Same pull of, oh, that's my soulmate. Right. That person I'm going to know for the rest of my life. And this movie, the message was so clearly that. And it's about kindness and how we need the kindness of others to get through when we're facing adversity. 
And what's so ironic is I wanted to make it because there were other movies floating around that I, I think I could have directed. I don't know if they were offers, to tell you the truth, but this one came at a time when there was so much loss going on in our country with the random shootings and and how do people get through that? How, how do you, we're not supposed to survive our children. It's unfathomable. And I just was so saddened by that. And this movie is so hopeful in the end that somebody can help you through. Somebody can help you see the other side of the tunnel. There is light. And yeah, some people can do it on their own, but generally take somebody else to hold your hand. I don't think you can do it on your own. I don't I don't either personally. I was just kind of <laughs> I think it takes contact. I think it takes looking in somebody else's eyes and seeing the possibility of hope through them, the reflection back to you of your value, of your individual humanity, of your own right to exist in this moment in the world, despite the difficulties of the loss, the terrible loss, the aching, the wrenching loss um, that it turns out both of these people had. You don't see it as much in him. You just see his centeredness. Um, but he has a secret, which is the sort of centering secret for him that we learn in the movie. But it's it's also the way nature will heal you and challenge you. There are some sequences that are just harrowing because nature is harrowing just yeah. by nature. Excuse the pun. It's a perfect use of the term. In recovery, we would call it life on life's terms. Not mm. my terms, not your terms, but life on life's terms. And life's terms are brutal and harsh sometimes. And they are unfathomable and we can't understand them. And they don't make sense. And this is a movie about a human being facing life on life's terms, wondering if they even want to be here. Mm -hmm. Because in that moment, it feels like that is the only reason to have been here was the thing that you've lost. And the, the beauty of that moment, of her exploration of that through the gift of the sight of the reflection of this man um, of course, I'm like, I'm such a horrible movie goer because I just want everything to work out. <laughs> I, just, I just, I can't help it. I'm, there's that part of me. Um, I just, I, I don't know if it's because I'm the product of 13 marriages. Um, what? My, between my mother and my father and my stepfather. Oh, my Lord. There are a lot of marriages. I don't know if it's that's the, like the byproduct. I mean, as you know, I've been married to Chris for 36 years. And, wow. you know, I will not marry again. I call him in bios for things that I'm trying to be clever and use my snarky wordplay. I say she is married to her first husband, um, <laughs> Christopher Guest. Uh <laughs> <laughs> Which to me just makes me laugh. But anyway, but I I <laughs> cannot lie to you. Um, I wanted, like, I wanted you guys, 
Like you knew you loved each other. I I don't want to ruin the movie for people. Please don't listen. I'm not going to tell you what happens, but it does not end the way you think it's going to end in the sense of I really had that fantasy. I don't know. I don't know if it's some deep seated fantasy in me, little girl fantasy that despite all of the horrors that you guys are going to now fall in love you know, and yeah, live on the mountain you became and best have friends. a dog, become best friends and fall into friendship. And then the friendship will turn into a physical relationship because you both love each other, but it's not how you first met. And then you have a dog and it's just, you're going to be, you know, it's going to be little house on the prairie. Happily ever after. Um, which, happily ever after. That is the ideal way it should go. <laughs> yeah, know I, mean? I know. But I think it's it just speaks to my immaturity that that's what I was thinking about. But I wouldn't even call it immaturity. I would say what you said, which we all have in us, I think, which is the little girl. There's always going to be that little girl in us that wants that. Yeah. I have it. Yeah. Oh, forever. That's going to last forever. What? What is that word? You know? <laughs> I know. I know. I know. And I agree with you. It's much more warm and fuzzy to to be in that little girl fantasy. In those ways. And why not? Why not believe in that feeling that you had when you watched the movie? How great. Oh, I really want them. To. I really. <laughs> How did you guys meet? You and Alan? Through uh, my agent, Hilda Queeley at CA. They knew each other. And so the script came through. Oh, so you didn't know Alan before? No. Oh, see, it's so interesting. I, the way, okay, so this is so great because the way you've described Alan, the way you talk about Alan, I thought you and Alan had been friends for years and years and years. Like as long as I've known Alan, even though she and I are not super close friends, we are close acquaintances and share right. some wonderful connect the dots with other people and children and stuff. So, oh, so this is I a know. new friendship it's, for you. Yes, very new. And it feels like we have been friends for years. We'll be right back with more Good Friend after this quick break. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. 
you have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. You're 40-something? Oh, you're so sweet. I do, swear. Where do I, where do I send the bouquet of flowers? Please don't. But I'm, <laughs> I have no idea. I know nothing. As I said, it's not like I'm sitting here with a bio. Are you over 50? 55 next month. Oh, fuck off. Seriously. Okay, I'm done with you. All right, I'm done with you. Mazel tov. As my sister calls it, double nickels. Um, yeah. Um, you and your double nickels. So it's fabulous, though. I was going to say a woman in her 40s to make a new friend like that. It's, you know, friendship is usually so predicated on, as you said, meeting somebody when you're young, those bonds that you make with people through school. Have you, do you make friends on movies often? Do you, when you work or a TV show or in, in your professional life, do you bond with people around that work as an actual friend? I don't. <laughs> I don't either. And it's not a conscious decision. Um, no, no, no. You can be really close with them while you're shooting and you think, oh, we're going to be friends. And then you lose touch. You know, those things happen all the time. But no, my friends have been my friends for over 25 years. My little cloister, like we all have, what, four or five and some you never see because they live across the United States or in Europe. Or, but they're all pretty solid and they're all long, long relationships. Yeah. I have a friend group with Chris and a couple other couples, and we refer to ourselves as besties. Like we Aww. we we have a text stream <laughs> that is called besties, and it involves men and women. And you know, my oh. husband's seventy three, and you know, really? yeah, and some of he the people, great. and some of the people, you know, it's just a funny thing. But what we feel together as a group of people feels this incredible connection, which mm. is our bestie group. Um, and it involves men and we, we joke about it. I mean, it's, it's, it's like we're teenagers, even though we're I was this... just going to say, it feels very teenage yeah. bonding. Yeah. And you all, you all get along. You're all very different. Are you all very similar? The great sort of designation about this friend group called besties is that the 
three couples could split off in any individual form and be happy to travel with that person. So it, it does not matter. We are a great traveling group because it means that two of us can branch off, two of us can branch, and there's none of that feeling of being kind of left out. Threes are, I find, very tricky. There's always some slight resentment. And it's it's funny because when you described those women, those five women, the, wherever they are, that you've known for a very long time, um, I too have groups of those women who, even though they're not necessarily grouped, but they, I too, obviously, at 62, you end up having friendships. But it's wonderful to see. I thought Alan and you were those besties from years and years back because it's a great credit to her to recognize that she wanted you for your gifts as a director. Usually, I would have assumed the assumption would be that it's because you've been friends for a long time and she has seen and respected you as you've grown up as a woman and that it was based on a long friendship. I love that she saw work that you did and was like, okay, you, I need you. <laughs> I have something Aww. for you. And and had you, just to ask one more land question, because even though this is not a show where I'm promoting things per se, I still, we talk about people's work. Had you planned on acting in the movie at the same time? Had you always assumed you would act in it or did you? God, no. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> but you know, on an independent film and doesn't necessarily have to be an independent film anymore, you get that list of four actresses that are quote bankable. They can get your movie made. And we just ran into, hey, we got to cast the movie in 48 hours or we're going to lose our financing and we lose our window to shoot. And Alan just looked at me and said, we can't take the risk. Mm -hmm. You know, people have turned it down for valid reasons. It was too heavy emotionally. They didn't want to go there. They needed to be a mom because they had been working back to back to back to back. Needed to go home and be wife and mom. Totally get it. And they were like, okay, you can reach out to these next two people on the list or why don't you just do it? I mean, mm -hmm. what are we doing? And I literally did say, I was like, yeah, I'm going to be there anyway. I mean, right. <laughs> right. <laughs> can't be that much harder. But I never could have done it without Alan and the other producers on set every day because they're basically acting as your co-director because you're in front of the camera and they're your backbone. What a backbone. That was really something. Congratulations. It's uh, Thank you so much, Jamie. Thank you for watching it. Beautiful piece of work. I want to talk about mothers because you just brought up, you know, people who have kids and mothers and you have also this deep connection to sort of the women's collective of Pour Les Femmes, of women who work through this program to be able to establish lives independent of the men, um, the abuse of men, et cetera. Can you just talk to me a little bit about it? And again, the people involved in the friendships that you've made in it, because it seems, again, a wonderful, uh, very connected mission and experience? I'll try to truncate it. It's exactly that, what you just said. Why we wanted to build this sleepwear, loungewear line and call it Pour La Femme was because when I went to the Congo, almost now 15 years ago, um, these community centers, civil society groups, 
the majority of them founded and formed by men who were married and had children. And they saw the strife that these women were going through where their husbands were abducted by the militia. So they didn't even have a husband anymore. And then they were brutally raped, sometimes multiple times. And a lot of these women were pregnant with their rapist child. When I met Amani, the one guy that comes to mind, he said, I put this together to save these women and give them sustainable life. Teach them a vocational skill. Because a lot of them couldn't stand up for somewhere between six and 18 months because of the surgeries they needed to repair, I mean, just brutalized. Mm -hmm. So they could only sit. What can they do? They can sew. And then it evolved into, you know, in the beginning, it was like, yes, let's give them a little microfinancing. And then they're on their own. They start their own business. They start making the traditional wear on their own singer, old fashioned sewing machine. And then they can go down to town and they have their own company. And then we just evolved into let's build with part of the proceeds that come from, we helped build a school for the children. So now they have this whole community and it's everybody living together and the kids go to school there and the women work all day and they have farm to table food. They built their own gardens. And this beautiful man, Amani at Action Kivu founded this idea. And there's many others that do the same thing. And we're just like, what a beautiful gift that these women were given. I have a couple girlfriends of mine, one of whom I have already spoken to on this very podcast. And I didn't bring up this point because I don't go into it with lists, even though she does. And it, it reminds me of the power of the connection of friends for social good, for the expansion of social good, that what comes from friendship, it's not just the yummy interplay in our personal lives and how, you know, when we're having difficulty with our partners, you know, who do you go and download to? And we used to press play, you know, <laughs> just sort of download like all the resentment and rage. And then you feel better and you feel like that person really held that in some sacred way. But you see what you're talking about is something so much bigger. You know, what I'm talking about is a sort of very privileged society where we can handle all these little you know, tiffy issues, and we have our girlfriends living nearby or whatever we can call, we can pick up a phone, have communication with them pretty quickly. And here you're talking about a community of people who have been brutalized. And how do you help them? How do you actually be a good friend to them without me, you know, turning that into a sort of hackneyed idea? It's, it's, a, it's a real question. And what popped into my mind when you were saying this is my friend Deborah Oppenheimer, who was on a guest on this podcast, along with another friend of mine, Barbara Stoll, who is a producer who I've known, who we are family friends, you know, our kids have known each other, blah, blah, blah. They're terrific. Both women producers, both of them, women who are bosses, who are responsible for large groups of people, who keep the ship moving, who do what Alan does in their fields. Both of these women, through my association with Children's Hospital Los Angeles, which has been a now 25-year commitment to helping them with their mission, which is 
to receive patients regardless of their ability to pay throughout the city of Los Angeles, the home of my birth. Both of my friends seeing the work of children's and getting connection to children's through me, independent of me, without asking me or telling me, both of them trained a long time and became cuddlers where they go to the NICU and they gown up and they sit in a rocking chair and they hold little newbies mm. who are in the hospital. And both of these women do it for the simple act of that connection, that there is a mother who cannot be with their little premature NICU baby because they have other kids at home, that it takes a village, that it, you know, they can't just say, I'm just going to be at the hospital with the baby because they have kids at home. They may have jobs that they need right. to go to. And two of my women friends, in a gesture of solidarity as a gift to me, as a response to my connection and commitment to this institution, both independently called, signed up, went for the training, went for the clearance, had to get all the health tests, had to, and this was way before COVID. This was, you know, did all of, jumped through every hoop they were asked to. And then when they commit to it, they do it for a period of time each day. It's not, I'm there for 50, you know, I can go in anywhere and kind of be Jamie and smile and, you know, I'm, I have that energy thing. I can do that. It's a nice thing. People like it. But these women go and sit and sing and hold and care for these babies. Most of the moms will never know my friend Deborah Oppenheimer's name, will never know my friend Barbara Stoll's name, and by the way, will never know the myriad other Names, men, women, all ages, all backgrounds, who are sitting in a rocking chair holding these newborn babies. And what you're talking about with Pour les Femmes and the goal of that and the – not the goal, the success of that, the actual seeing the result of that, that this man who started this and your response to it and how you have amplified it through your – work as a public figure and as a woman who stands for the rights and lives of other women, very much so, in a very vocal and proud way. I hope you feel pride from it. You should. <laughs> I do. Is so much bigger in the universe about friendship and what it really means to be a good friend. It's really, this transcends that. It's just good person. We should rename the podcast now, Dylan. Darn it, we have to rename it and we have to redo all of that. Every time I've said the word good friend, we have to now tell Emily King we're not going to use her song unless she wants to rewrite it. Be like, anyway. Good person. We're not close girlfriends. You know, we live near each other enough that if you need a cup of sugar, I could provide it and et cetera. If I need a couple mm -hmm. eggs to finish a cake, I know I could call you and go, hey, do you have any eggs? And totally. we feel for each other. It's it's a nice feeling when I knew you were living near me. There was a 
genuine feeling of, oh, oh, Robin. But we personally don't intersect too much. But the feeling I have is that we are good friends, that I, even though I don't really know you, when I asked you to do this and you just were so completely open, like, yes, great, when? Yeah, done. But it's the essence of you. You're a good friend. You're a good sister. You're a good artist. You're a good global friend. And I think people, you know, that's why we're doing this podcast is to talk about all the areas that you can make an impact in people's lives. And yours, and again, the little I know of you, um, the areas we've touched on are big. And I'm just grateful to you that you would come here and and talk with us. And um, thank you. Thank Thank you. you for being a good friend. Back at you. Good Friend is produced by Dylan Fagan and is a production of iHeartRadio. Our theme song, Good Friend, is written, produced, and performed by Emily King. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed... (laughs) Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. With the new Dexcom G7, you can achieve better diabetes results without painful finger sticks. It sends your glucose numbers to your compatible phone or watch so you can always see where you are and where you're heading. See how food and exercise affects your glucose, making it easier to spend more time in range and lower your A1C. Take more control of your diabetes with the number one recommended CGM brand. It's easy to get started today at Dexcom.com. That's Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. Give your glucose alerts and readings from the G7. Do not match symptoms or expectations. Use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com slash compatibility. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350 plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeartRadio music channels. 
No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play.